What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, growing youth employment in the city won't be easy. Migrants are still arriving by the thousands to Chicago. And happy birthday weekend to me. Here for a little news and a little celebration, I got WBEZ Susie Ahn and Northwestern professor and author Ariane Nettles. It's Friday, April 28th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Good morning, Ariane. Good morning, Susie. Welcome back to CityCast Chicago. Good morning. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have both of y'all in here. Before we jump in with the pros, both of y'all have been on CityCast multiple times at this point, so y'all know how we run these Friday shows. We got to start off with a little a little cocktail chatter. This week, we had a conversation about deep dish pizza, which obviously is Chicago, so it doesn't need to be talked about, but, but we wanted to have a conversation because so much of it is about what do real Chicagoans like? And if you know me, I hate the conversation about what do real Chicagoans do? What don't they do? And so we listened to our entire CityCast team and some of our friends give their opinions on Deep Dish. And we got another one. Uh, one of the best food critics here in Chicago, Louisa Chu, called us in to give her Deep Dish deep thoughts. This is what Louisa had to say. Hey, CityCast Chicago. It's Louisa Chu, food critic at the Chicago Tribune. So you want to know if I like Deep Dish Pizza? Um, No, I love it. I love it so much that I have to give you a few of my favorite places and the reasons why I love each one of them so much. Um, first, we've got to start with the historic Pizzeria Uno, where I actually took a deep dish making class and learned how to make that really crispy pie shell crust, and it was fantastic. And then Nancy's Pizza on Gulf Road, where um, it was the last home of Nancy and Rocco Palese, Rocco who actually invented the stuffed pizza with the mother of all cheese poles. Then you've got Burt's Place in Morton Grove, where my late friend, the Burt Katz, perfected the pan pizza with the caramelized crust, which is an ascendant style of its own in the deep dish category. And then you've got his um, spiritual pizza godson, Millie's Pizza in the Pan, where Robert Molesky is making maximalist pop art pizza. He is a legend in the making. Um, you will learn to love pineapple on pizza at Millie's. Then you've got George's Deep Dish in Edgewater, where George Bambaras names every pizza after a famous George. So he's got his Michael's S&M, which of course is named after spaghetti and meatballs. Yes, on top of a pizza. And yes, it's deep dish and it's fantastic. And I love them all. Maximalist pop art pizza. Y'all hear that? <laughs> 
Nobody, nobody is dropping bars like Louisa. But no. I got to ask y'all, Ari, deep dish, yay or nay? Yay, but I only eat deep dish when I have out-of-town folks come into town. For one, I love deep dish when it's fresh. I don't like to rewarm it. Like, because I, I like the sauce when it's like, I don't want it to... When it's the most moist, you know, mm-hmm. and then you when mean. you rewarm it, it loses some of that. It dries out. It's not as saucy. Mm-hmm. I have a best friend who every time she comes, it's straight to Giordano's. I already know what she wants. We're going to get a deep dish pizza and she needs her fix. Right. And so that's when I get it. Um, but if it's just a regular day, you know, I'm going to go run over to beggars and get tavern style like normal. Like I didn't even know it used to be called tavern style. I just knew that was pizza. Like yeah. Yeah, that was just the pizza. That was just the pizza. That's what I said, too. I I will say I do get it just for my damn self. But more times than not, I'm probably getting like an Italian fifi, like a, yeah. like a little I, simple thing. Yeah, crust, I, will sop, say, though, grease. I will say, though, that so, we, you know, we don't have Lou Manati's on the south side. So that's why mm-hmm. it can't be one of my most favorite places. I agree with you. But I teach in Evanston. And they have a nice kind of lunch special that I have gotten in the past. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. just a perfect little deep dish. And I can't get that like just on a nice little day because it's just the perfect amount for a lunch and it's not too much. And then I don't have any leftovers. Well, Susie, yay or nay, deep thoughts on deep dish. What are yours? I'm with Ari on, you know, when out of town guests are coming in, that's the thing you got to do. And it's also sort of like, how terrible do I know, do I want to feel the next morning? You know, like that's like a mixture of, of Sydney who said it always punches back, and, and everybody else who says special occasions. Yeah, I mean, I love eating a ton of cheese, but I know that it's just I'm gonna feel terrible the next morning, and so it's just sort of you know, I have to feel ready for it, and I know like you know you plan for your out of guests, uh, out of town guests coming in, right? So you know like we're gonna do this. Um, and maybe you're going to counter that um, pizza hangover with a, a walking tour or something the next day. But yeah, if I'm just like regular pizza night, probably not going to go for the deep dish. I uh, I enjoy Jets. And okay. this is probably um, I'm getting out of Chicago here, but I like their De- Detroit style pizza for that caramelized edge that they do with the, the Detroit style. Mm hmm. You're kind of getting a little bit of the deep dish, but not as heavy. I'm going to let you have that, Jess. Jacoby is really ju- <laughs> He is really judging you because you heard that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, he was trying to hold on. He was just like, Detroit. Detroit. I know, I know. That's what he said in his head. He's like, mm-hmm. Hey, not you, not you, not you cut through and give it, away, give it away. Like, my job is to, what Magic say, my job is to just, is to be nice. It's to, it's to be liked. I don't like to give bad news. And the bad news is I hate Jets. But, you know, oh, no. to, to each their own. To each their own. See, Ari pushed me there, Susie. I was gonna let you. I was just gonna do mm-hmm. a bless your heart. That's what you right? mm-hmm. What do you? But wait a second. Do you hate the caramelized crust? What is it? Because I can't say no to that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I'm just biased. I just heard Detroit style. <laughs> Fair. The reason I brought y'all here today was not just to get your pizza opinions. My goal is to bring in friends uh, whose voices I admire, I appreciate, I look up to, and hear the stories that y'all were following this week. And Susie, I want to stay with you. Since last summer, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott's strategy 
to assisting Venezuelan migrants seeking refuge as they cross the border into Texas has not been to provide more resources, has not been to provide a humane pathway towards citizenship or asylum. It has not been to provide shelter. It's been to put these individuals on buses and now planes by the hundreds and thousands and send many of them to Chicago. But I don't know if people have kept their eye on this story. What are the most recent updates as as we think about the almost 7,000 migrants who have found their way to Chicago? Yeah, I mean, the update is that it continues to happen and it's sort of a scramble. I mean, it continues to be a scramble. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our colleagues over at Block Club Chicago, also the Chicago Tribune, have been reporting on how there are migrants who are sleeping at O'Hare Airport um, as they wait for services. Uh, uh, they're bringing in buses to the airports to, to try to uh, spread people out. Um, you might find migrants sleeping at the police station or even at libraries, just finding some place for them as the city and the state try to come up with some sort of strategy. And, and the big thing is that, you know, um, these lawmakers from other states, uh, Texas being one of them, there's absolutely no coordination. You know, mm-hmm. there's no warning at all that that um, y- these uh busloads, planes of of migrants are being sent over. You know, there's just no coordination at all. So folks as get young here. as toddlers and and kids in the arms of their parents. Mm. And then and you know, some need medication, some have, you know, medical issues that need to be addressed. And it's just sort of, well, we're putting you on this plane and that's it. There's just no plan. And so um, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be looking out to see how how do lawmakers in the state, how do these service agencies kind of handle this wave of, of folks coming in? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the sort of big lawmakers in our state, whether it's Governor Pritzker, outgoing Mayor Lori Lightfoot, both of them have talked about the, the need for Illinois, for Chicago specifically, to be a place of refuge, to be a safe haven, to sort of open their arms. At one point, Mayor Lightfoot went to the state asking for, I believe, over $50 million, maybe $54 million, and was able to get $20 million uh, to sort of, and we've seen, take shuttered uh Uh, grocery stores, take shuttered Mm -hmm. schools, warehouses, and try to retrofit them. What has been the city's strategy for almost the last year in terms of coordinating resources? Um, Service agencies are stepping in uh, trying to help. But I I think another issue that's come up, you know, when when there's been talk of uh, setting up um, something of a shelter in a a shuttered school, well, you know, folks still need to get to uh, court appearances, um, language services that might not be readily available in that given neighborhood. And so how do you manage that as well? And, 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 you know, because they keep coming and and, uh, without any notice, it makes it hard to really plan around that. Yeah. Ari, I want to bring you in here from the beginning. We think of 
a Governor Greg Abbott. This was mm-hmm. never a collaborative process. This was never a let's work with our sister city in the north to provide resources for it. So a growing number of Venezuelan migrants. This has always been a sort of political gotcha moment of like, yeah. you all talk this game of being sanctuary cities. We're just going to discard human beings, sort of treat them as cargo and just move them with, as, as Susie has pointed out, no coordination, no forewarning, no thought about their safety. So this is this is beyond lack of compassion. Yeah, you know, and it feels extremely violent and harmful in a way that I think we're going to see for generations. And I think that that's the part we're maybe not talking about just yet. You know, like those babies who are literally just being, you know, who are experiencing this, what are they going to remember when they're adults? What what kind of trauma are they going to have yeah. from this? You know, like Susie brings up a good point that we have to really keep our eyes on this because it's too easy to get desensitized to it, you know, and to just be like, oh, well, yeah, that's been happening. You know, no, we have to we have to really try to figure out um, and as community members, what can we do? It would be great if governments could figure it out, but maybe we have to also step in um, and, and and try to help in other ways that perhaps in the because in the meantime, people are hurting regardless. And so as a mother, as a human, right, just as a human, it, it really hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Marilek Brandon Johnson is coming in with a lot of things that he uh, has to focus on, has to start to figure out and coordinate strategy on. And, and that includes the thousands of migrants um, who are who are seeking safety here in Chicago. Uh, one of his number one platform pieces throughout the campaign and now during his transition has been to grow the number of youth employment opportunities that exist in this city. And Ariane, on its face, uh, it sounds like a good plan. As we look more and more to it, some individuals have raised concerns about the viability of said plan. Can you catch us up on that? Yes. So um, especially now, you know, we're talking um, a new world after the start of COVID. Mm -hmm. We've seen cuts. We've seen cancellations of internships. And so there is a real concern that there are not enough corporate partnerships to help. So generally, if you are a teen and, you know, this goes back to when we were teenagers um, and you want to get a summer job, you usually can go through like, you know, the mayor's office programs or your school um, and they will kind of help place you with someone. But a lot of times corporate partnerships would help with that because if you're placed at a corporation, they can kind of pay your wage. Right. So with a lack of corporate partnerships, there's less jobs. So there's a concern about having enough jobs to really help kids that we really want to help, reaching the kids who need it most, right? And there's also an issue of making sure that we want kids to have a job, but we want them to be paid a fair wage, right? Like we don't want them to be in any abusive situations either. And so it's just a little bit more complicated than we, you know, than... It may seem on the surface, but um, I think I don't think it's impossible, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that the reason why this has really come up is because for us, our youth unemployment rate is just so much higher. I want to say by 15 percent higher than the national average. And so that is concerning. So when we talk about our young people and we talk about what they need, they need money. They need a job. They need stuff to do. Agreed. The goal 
to grow youth employment will largely be driven through Chicago's One Summer Program, which is the major outlet that provides young people in this city with jobs. And we're already seeing that, like you said, due to the pandemic, we have not gotten back to those high numbers we saw in 2019, where almost 32,000 young people were employed through this program, which they say at the time was nearly the the majority who uh, applied through the program, whereas last summer we saw closer to about 21,000 kids in paid positions. So that's, you know, 11,000 less young people. And you have more people applying now. You see uh, a lot of those partnerships drying up. But I also think we we need to be thinking about more alternative ways to, to provide students with outlets because it, yeah. it isn't just, you know, oh, just put them in a job. They'll yep. earn some money and they'll yeah. be OK. We want to also make sure we're giving kids those creative outlets and yep. even creative apprenticeship opportunities uh, around the yeah. city. My hope is that we can be thinking about just just more creative ways to get students, you know, some pay opportunities during the summer as well as uh, during the school year. Yeah. And that provides a different connection to your city, too. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you are working on something at a museum and then it's Saturday night and you're trying to go downtown, that's that's a different vibe. Right. Like that's a different feeling mm-hmm. when you're like, um, no, we work to beautify this park. Right. Like, look at what we did. Look at what we planned. Um, and, you know, like you said, Jacoby, like. Kids are, they're able to do that. Teens are able to do that. They have Mm -hmm. the capacity and the willpower. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Young people are not just looking forward to working during the summer. Many of them, particularly ones in their junior, senior year, are starting to think about college. You know, where am I going to go to school? And in many cases, how am I going to pay for it? I am 14 years removed from that conversation, and it still brings me dread and gives me nightmares when I think about it. Uh, Susie, I want to bring you in here because applying for financial aid 
it is a quite difficult process. I don't know if we spend enough time thinking about it or, or providing those tips and tricks uh, for young people. Can you talk about just how cumbersome that process is through an article you read over at WBZ this week? Yeah, uh, my colleague, Lisa Phillip, um, pointed out that, you know, these financial aid letters are just so difficult to read and uh, they are not the same. And um, I think, you know, maybe it didn't get enough attention just because you're one individual getting this letter and you're not like necessarily comparing notes with other people and like the financial aid letter that they got. And it turns out they're all difficult. And um if, unless you have, uh, let's say, a, a counselor at your school who's going to be able to um, navigate that with you. And even just the murky language that they use and the numbers that they use, you know, you're you're not going to know how to do this and, and get uh, the most out of the financial aid package. And, um, and I think that's terrible that, you know, it's not even like these letters are not federally regulated like there mm-hmm. there's no standard like like nine out of ten according to the article and um she said the government accountability office found that nine out of ten universities understate or omit net price or out-of-pocket costs and three out of ten mislabel loans as grants that don't need to be, be paid back and i had a school counselor at my high school who kind of you know, walked us through applying. But if I'm being honest, and there's no shade to them all these years later, but I felt like they were more interested in getting letters on the board that said, look at all of the places my students have been accepted. Because we had a couple guidance counselors and they almost had like a competitive vibe to them of like, Mm. look outside my door at all of the application process. But I remember getting my sort of financial aid package from the university and my mom was there and we just saw the number that was like, oh, you'll get a presidential scholarship. And we was like, oh, dang, we get we paying for school. Ma, you're not going to have to pay for nothing. You, and my mom didn't pay for nothing. And as a result, I filled out a bunch of financial papers that I didn't have a great understanding of and took out way more money because I thought going in like, oh, based on this number and this little presidential joint, I, I'm straight. I'm going to be good. And that was that was not the case. And so Lisa goes beyond just sort of telling us that this is sort of a headache for young people and for their parents, but also talks about a few things that people have to take into account when they're looking at them. What are just a couple of those? Well, I mean, I think uh, one is to just calculate the, the uh, total cost of going to a school. Like, not just like the tuition and fees, like things like um, the indirect costs, like your books and supplies and things like that. Um, I mean, the other thing I'll, I'll note is that, um, you know, sometimes the guidance counselors, this stuff is so murky that they don't necessarily realize that they don't know it all either. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, you know, calculating all of the the things that um, not, you know, the direct costs, the indirect costs understanding uh, what you will actually have to pay, you know, like the the scholarships that you might be getting uh, versus the loans. Um, yeah, make sure you know what's the free yes. money and, yes. and what's, I'm going to need this back later because they not canceling all of this money. You got to know the difference. 
Yeah, it's really scary. And, you know, now I'm in a PhD program and I'm figuring out my own financial aid. Talk to and us. it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> um, and I, I pretty Damn much, you, FAFSA. Damn you. <laughs> it's so hard. And they just they just send you emails. I'm like, I don't know. And it's it's when does this school year start even? You know, it's it's complicated. Right. We talk about financial aid just to to go to college for a lot of young people, but one charter school in Chicago, which their reputation was getting all of their young people a college acceptance letter, a population that was primarily black men uh, going to schools on the south side of Chicago, Urban Prep Academy, right? It's been around for 17 years, and now, Ari, it's been under fire for the last year, but why? Yeah, so I will actually keep this one short because I think that the reason why this very underreported story or the one why we should really pay attention to it is its impact, its potential impact outside of Chicago. Mm. So, you know, like you mentioned, Urban Prep has been um, hailed as this fantastic example of, you know, sending black men to college, 100% of its graduates going. However, there has always been concerns of, you know, it being a place where a lot of students might get kicked out if they don't follow certain rules. Like, who gets to stay at Urban Prep? And the argument, for example, from the teachers at surrounding high schools is, well, of course you have 100% graduation rate and 100% college, you know, admissions is because, like, when you kick the students out, they come here. Um, And so Mm -hmm. when we talk about charter schools, which, to be clear, are publicly funded but independently ran, they do not have to really follow any of the standards or the rules of traditional public schools. And And Urban Prep had three campuses. One was on the west side, Bronzeville, Inglewood. Yes, yes. So the point of these are supposed to be to give parents and students another option that is different and special and, like, works. So, you know, the Board of Education um, found that the charter school network actually mismanaged some finances um, and that their the network's response to a sexual misconduct investigation um, involving Urban Prep's founder was um, not acceptable. And I really got caught up on this by an article in Black Club Chicago. And so, again, the idea is that this unique thing, which is supposed to be a better option. But if it's not a better option, CPS has said, well, we want to just absorb these schools. They don't want to close two of the campuses. They want to absorb them and to turn them into traditional public schools. This story has reminded me, and I hope for people who read it, that multiple truths can be real at the same time. Because you hear people who have spoken up and said, these institutions have provided a space of community. You've heard people who've graduated and said, this was a great example of excellence for me. And I felt respected and heard and listened to. And so people who feel like the the school is being attacked now, they've sort of leaned on those narratives and say, well, listen to these people for whom this, this network, this charter school network has done well by. But I wonder with as much scrutiny 
that has been put on the school. I wonder what does it look like to continue the model moving forward when so much of the scrutiny seems to be about how the model ran. It seems like they want to continue the narrative. We'll continue to follow this school. They the, the board has already voted to take over two of the schools and one of the schools on the west side because of low enrollment did not have their charter license reissued. Uh, and so uh, this story will continue to follow, especially as schools uh, close out for the summer. Uh, and then we'll we'll see what are the plans going into the 2023-2024 school year. Every single episode of City Cash Chicago pretty much ends the same way. And that's me making sure that our listeners leave with some good news Yay. to get them through the rest of the hour, to get them through the rest of the day, to get them through the weekend. Our city is beautiful. There are so many amazing things happening across the hundreds of neighborhoods that we call home. And we want to always remind people that our goal, our job here at City Cash Chicago is to be critical, but also to be celebratory. And so let's celebrate some good news today. Uh, and I want to start with you, Susie. What is your some good news? Come on, harmonize uh, with your boy. Uh, hey. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Next time I will be prepared. <laughs> no, you was ready. I felt that. I, I, was, I was loving it. No no critique over here. I loved it. <laughs> Too kind. Um, well, my good news for this week, um, our friend Monica Eng uh, was nominated for one of the journalism categories for the James Beard Awards. Woo! Yay, Monica! <laughs> Double shout out. And, and you know, previously the uh, the um, finalists for the James Beard Awards for chefs and and um, restaurants were announced last month. So um, uh, the chef at Virtue in Hyde Park uh, is a finalist in the emerging chef category. But this week they announced. Um, the the finalist for the journalism category. And Monica wrote this really beautiful profile uh, for Chicago Magazine about um, a former Chicago Tribune food critic, Paula Camp, uh, who began transitioning as a woman in her late 60s and now owns uh, a craft cidery in Michigan. And, you know, you know how Monica does. Like, she's mm -hmm. just so, you know, so warm and like really just brings out the human of anyone, like the humanity and just um, the importance of why we want to hear someone's story. And um, it's a beautiful piece. So check it out if you haven't. And, you know, if you see Monica, give her congratulations. She deserves it. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Monica Ang, who has joined us on the show, I guess, maybe 10 times <laughs> at this point. We showed her a little bit of love in yesterday's episode, but we wanted to keep it going because, like you said, wanted people to know that that piece, being Paula Camp, uh, is as fascinating as this finalist award suggests. And we want to drop a link to that piece in the show notes. This is Monica's sixth time uh, being in this position uh, and I'm hoping that we get Monica across the finish line this time and finally yes. uh, put a James Beer on a mantle. Monica is, without a doubt, one of my most fun people to talk to. And I just sit there sort of taking notes from the lessons uh, she's teaching me throughout the conversation. She's great. Ari, jump in here with your some good news. You were last year in February yeah. and your news was taking you to South Africa. Yeah, now yeah. you're back. What's your good news for the people today? It's always great. You know, I try to bring a little personal fun in here. My good news is that um, the Deeply Rooted Dance Education Spring Showcase is happening Ooh. next Saturday, 
May 6th. And we are really ready, okay? Now, to be clear, I am not a part of Deeply Rooted Dance Company because they are amazing and professional. I am a part, <laughs> I take classes, right? So I'm a part of like the education okay. program. So Who's your teacher? Derek is okay. my teacher, okay? And when I tell you that Derek is the best teacher ever, um, he really gets me together. Um, and we also have a lot of other teachers that drop in and help us from time to time. But mm-hmm. we Josh are, Eastman is my boy. Ah, so we have, so we have, I'm a part of the Mature Hot Women group. So it's women of all ages. And so when we perform, there's going to be a lot of women on that stage who've never danced before, right? So it's going to be my first time back on stage, but there'll be women who've never danced before, right? So this is really a celebration Ah, of what your body can do, what you can do, just family and sisterhood, right? Like spirit and just being together. And then we have like, you know, the men moving group, they're going to be performing and like the students, um, the the like youth ensemble, they're going to be performing. And so just all of us who take classes are going to be performing. And then, you know, the pros will come in and do what, what, and what do they do. Yes, yes. I, I saw them at Black, uh, Chicago Black Dance Legacy and they were fantastic. I love Deeply Rooted. I've gotten to do some performances and some pieces with them before. Not as a dancer, more of as like a spoken word, a little accoutrement, just a little something, something hey, on top. Hey, uh, hey, but hey. I love them, and we'll definitely. Now that I know you, there, I'm probably definitely gonna have to pull up. Yes. Uh, I did promise I would come anyway. So May six, we're gonna be out there. My some good news for our listeners this week is I got another week of B days. Not only with my people. Shout out to Darius, Jermaine, our lead producer Carrie Shepard, whose birthday Woo. was this week. Shout out to Jordan and Natalie, who are also celebrating birthdays so today. Uh, and then this weekend is my birthday weekend Ooh. with my birthday falling on Sunday, April 30th, the end of the month. And I got a nice little jam-packed weekend. It's going to be some relaxation in there, but I am doing some cool things I want to let people know about, uh, including tonight. I'm doing a pasta making class up in West Ridge Ooh. near Rogers Park. I'm going to the Studio 54 pop-up at Joy District in River North tonight. Uh, then tomorrow, I'm going to stop over at this skateboarding pro-am in Wintrust on the near south side. Then I'm going to finish out with uh, some some drinks over at the Chicago Athletic Association, do a little top golf in the loop, and then finishing off my actual birthday with a fantastic dinner at one of my favorite restaurants in Chicago, L Ideas in Douglas Ooh. Park. So shout out to all of the people in my life who are celebra- celebrating birthdays this week yes. or this weekend. Shout out to me. You know, yes. for everything I do, I deserve a little rest and <laughs> relaxation. And of course, shout out to the greatest canvas to paint on in the world. And that's the city of Chicago, where I'm going to be exploring for the next three days uh, as I just, you know, celebrate 32 years yeah. on this blue marble spinning in the middle of nothing and something all at the same time. Yeah, you are the most amazing 32 year old I know. For oh, real. Susie. And you're doing it right. It. You are doing it absolutely right. And it's jam packed. This is, sounds like an amazing birthday weekend. I'm going to have to copy this and do this for myself next year. I'm going to copy it all down. This is the best. Thank y'all so much for spending this Friday breaking down some of the stories from around the city. Northwestern professor and author Ariane Nettles and WBEZ reporter and one of my favorite podcast hosts, Susie Ahn. Thank y'all for joining me on CityCast today. Thanks, Jacoby. Love you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. And make sure you tell me happy birthday on Sunday. Oh, you know it. The biggest happy birthday song ever. 
Before I let you go, I want to give a huge shout out to the people who make City Cash Chicago. And hey, Chicago, that's our lead producer, Carrie Shepard, producer Samoa Alisea, our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, our marketing coordinator, making sure everything looks good on social media, Jermaine Thomas. Shout out to Elizabeth Kama, our roving producer today. I also want to give some love to the people who make the music we love, whether it's the intro, the outro, the stingers in the middle. That's my boy, Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. If you have no idea what Hey Chicago is, let me tell you, it's the best damn newsletter in the city. Latest news, latest in events, Sydney Madden's personality is fantastic. You can't miss it in your inbox, 6 a.m. every day, Monday through Friday. Subscribe now at chicago.citycast.fm. You already know where I'm going to be bright and early on Monday. We're here talking about the legacy of Kim Fox. I'll talk to you then. Peace. I also I owe so much money they ain't gonna they ain't, no, they ain't never gonna get this money. Oh no, oh no, we going record saying that you ain't gotta whisper, hey Joey, are you canceling 10K? You better keep running it up because Y'all might as well cancel it. Y'all might as well down. forgive me because I've forgiven myself. I, I, I move this is between yes. this sounds like it's between y'all and, and the banks. This sound, <laughs>